that the question, what kind of cities do we want to live in? How do we want our cities to be? Cannot be divorced from the question of what kind of people we want to be. What kind of humanity we wish to create amongst ourselves and how we want to create it. And it is that mutual constitution of the city and who we are and what we are that is something which is, I think, again, very important to reflect upon. This is The City, an hour dedicated to a critical discussion of urban issues. Welcome to the program here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, and available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. I'm Andy Longhurst. On the program, we'll be discussing the Little Mountain social housing story, the fight to save BC's first social housing development. Local filmmaker David Vaisbord is my guest today to talk about this important story and the campaign to produce a full-length documentary feature. That and more on the program. Stay with us. This is The City, an hour dedicated to critical urban discussions. I 
I lived a short walk from the Little Mountain Housing Project, but I learned nothing about it until they came to tear it down. A group of the residents from the Little Mountain Housing Complex were in Victoria today to try to find out, presumably, what's happening. Can the Minister of Housing inform this house why 205 units of affordable housing sits empty today when we have an unprecedented homelessness crisis in our province? Hi, I'm David Vaysbord, and I'd love to tell you a story about the Little Mountain Housing Project. This has been an incredibly successful community over 50 years, and it's almost gone. Do we really need another 12 or 1500 million dollar condos in Vancouver, or do we really need homes for the homeless and affordable housing for the working class and middle class? And welcome to the program. David Vaysbord is live here in studio with me. David, uh, I want to welcome you to the program. Thanks for being with me. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So, uh, first of all, I, I guess just to give people a, a, a sense of um, the project that you're uh, embarking on, uh, tell, us, uh, tell us more about it and, and, uh, and where we're at now. Well, we're about six years into the project. I started in 2008 when uh, many of the buildings were still occupied. And there was a, a massive uh, community protest out to, to save the buildings. Uh, I followed the process, of course, all the way through till now. And we're at a point where, um, after 400 hours of footage, I'm ready to make a feature documentary out of it. And uh, looking for financing to put it all together. And so maybe just so people can uh, keep that in uh, the back of their mind while we have this discussion, uh, tell us more about that campaign. The campaign's on Indiegogo. Uh, we've currently raised about 25% of the project. Um, we're looking for $50,000, but uh, you know we'll be happy with whatever we can get since I've been making this film with whatever I could get to begin with. Um, but it'd, it'd be nice to pay people what they're worth. And that's <laughs> difficult in documentary filmmaking now because the entire business has collapsed for independent documentary filmmakers. It's great if you're producing reality TV series, yeah. like, uh, you know, whatever, Kitchen Wars or stuff like that, that <laughs> uh, the advertisers love that. But the broadcasters have gotten out of, out of the business of making independent documentaries, and there's no one forcing them to make them. So uh, it's off to Indiegogo and, and Kickstarter for the documentary uh, community in Canada. Right. So what people uh, heard at the, the beginning of the program was, uh, the first part, we're going to continue with uh, more of this uh, audio, but... Uh, this is the uh, clip um, from your Indiegogo uh, page. Um, and uh, is there more to, do you want to provide any more context about what we heard? Um, well, first of all, the yeah. Indiegogo page is at littlemountainfilm.com. Yeah. And you click through to Indiegogo and you can watch the trailer, which you played a little bit about right there. 
Um, the, that scene which you played, there's three scenes there. The first introduces my own uh, perspective on it, which is I knew nothing about Little Mountain before I walked there in 2008. And that was followed by uh, Jenny Kwan uh, in the B.C. legislature talking to Rich Coleman, Minister of Housing, and then David Chodnowski, who was at that point a minister, um, a uh, MLA, an MLA for Vancouver Kensington, who was one of the strongest supporters and really one of the heroes of the film. Okay, well, let's continue listening, um, and, and we're going to come back in just a second. Six years ago, I came in as a kind of unofficial advocate, filming protests, community engagement, strategy sessions, political promises, and I got to know the last remaining tenants of Little Mountain. Because it was my neighborhood, and I happened to be a documentary filmmaker, it became my next film. Well, how is it going to stop? Does that not look nautical? <laughs> and voila! I've been doing this for 20 years, and my films have been shown on TV and at festivals around the world. And although funding has dried up for documentaries in Canada, I still believe that there are great Canadian stories to be told, and this is one of them. I get the whole box! It's a story about a small group of unlikely Canadian heroes. Senior citizens like Sammy and Joan Chang. Those are great. Now, what are they for? For ski, for swim, for long bowling. Who challenged the government and won a significant victory for seniors. Okay, let's go. He is the... And we'll stop there. But uh, so we heard a little bit more um, specifically about Sammy and Joan. Uh, this is... Uh, well, first of all, I'll just go right to you. Can you can you talk more about uh, Sammy and Joan and some of the residents um, and the community of Little Mountain? This is a story that you're um, hoping to tell um, with the with the funding that uh, you're you're hoping to raise. But tell us about the community at Little Mountain and over those six years, who you talked to, um, who called Little Mountain home, and uh, really what what this action um, or the uh, the BC government's uh, decision to to demolish and and uh, uh, destroy in, in many regards the community there uh, the impact that it had on that community. Well, Little Mountain was a, a thriving community of um, approximately seven hundred or so tenants, um, maybe two hundred and twenty five families. It had been built in uh, nineteen fifty and had stood for fifty years. Very well constructed buildings in very very good shape actually. Um, the government had uh, actually uh, put out a lot of um, a lot of PR saying the buildings were in really bad shape, and that was completely untrue. And I have footage that proves quite the opposite. Um, but I walked in there in 2008 and met a number of great characters. Of course, the greatest characters were the ones who stuck through it to the end, and those were Ingrid Steenhusen um, and her aging mother, who is now in hospital, uh, Sammy and Joan Chang, both blind senior citizens and Karen Nicoletti and her cat. Um, these were the three families who became the central characters of my documentary as I kept on filming through six years and were ready to fight to the end against BC Housing to stay in their homes. And the reason why they fought is that um, they perceived what BC Housing was saying to them in 2007, it all began, as a work of fiction. And it was a work of fiction. They were told, and the, the tenants who were told to get out in 2007 were told that new housing would be built for them in 2009. Those who were 
kicked out in 2008. We're told they'll be back in 2010. That is such an absurd concept. There isn't, there's no place on the planet in which you're going to go through rezoning, civic planning, community engagement, building what was really considered one of the mega projects of Vancouver in two years. We didn't even get to the end of our community consultation process in two years. Demolition took a year. So these three families and a number of other families who, who uh, were involved in, the, in, in, in protesting realized that it was absolute lies to get them out in order to make a big wad of cash for the BC government and to make things easier for a developer who had no plan. That was another thing they said they had, a plan. Mm-hmm. They had a website that, <laughs> that had a few words scribbled on it. It wasn't a plan. It was like a notion. And as a notion, it wasn't a bad notion. It had a lot of problems also, actually. But it was completely fictitious. And, and so uh, these people fought. And they fought till 2009 when the buildings started coming down around them and won, mm-hmm. one last building. And then they had that last building for two years while I concentrated instead, doing this sort of brief hiatus of two years, on capturing the entire community consultation process right. on video and upraising it entirely onto the web so everyone could look at it. Mm-hmm. The community, the, 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 the builder, the city, everyone could watch it and have a complete sense of transparency. After that was over, 2012, BC Housing came back again at the tenants and said, you know what, we've reneged on our promise. We're going to tear your building down anyway. Mm. Uh, at which point the community, the three tenants... David Chodnowski and I got together and started working again. Uh, I produced a film series. David Chodnowski uh, produced a number of really brilliant uh, uh, press uh, conferences. We went to arbitration, and we won again. Mm-hmm. And because we won, there's a new building standing at Little Mountain right now, 54 units of social housing for seniors, because we won. Mm-hmm. And winning is what this film is about. Let's go back to this clip and uh, hear more about that, that struggle. Okay, let's go. He is the last tenant on an entire block slated for redevelopment. Sam Chang refuses to leave and says it was wrong for BC Housing to board up the windows of his apartment while he still lives there. You're legally blind, are you? Yep. So you need the my, my wife totally blind. Your wife's totally blind? Yep. Today, Chang tore the boards off the basement windows in protest. Chang says it looks like a cage. Oh, then lots of people call me top guy. Lots of people like me, lots of people don't like me. Built to house returning World War II veterans, Little Mountain was BC's first social housing project and a thriving community of over 700 people. And although it's true, that the BC government needlessly destroyed a community and privatized the public land. It's also true that Sammy and Jones stood their ground and saved one building from demolition. You see that, see that, see that big one? Oh my goodness, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, only one, one week. And they continued to fight until two levels of government and the developer built an entirely new building for low-income seniors. We need to celebrate and share Canadian stories. We need to defend social and affordable housing. We need to work together to preserve the quality and character 
of our communities. It took six years and over 400 hours of film to tell this story. With your help, I'll assemble a creative team. We'll finish this film and send it out to audiences across Canada through film festivals, television, community screenings, and the internet. Please join us and help us tell this story. Contribute what you can, and please share the Little Mountain film with your friends. Every little bit helps. Thank you. David, I want to ask you, um, as a documentary filmmaker, uh, the 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 role that you see yourself playing in in terms of and this is a I guess a broader question about um, documentary filmmaking in general. But uh, what role do you, um, as a documentary filmmaker, play in and see this project in in telling a story in in uh, in, re- in writing a history that may be forgotten or easily forgotten if it's not archived and told. Mm-hmm. Well, I see myself as an observer, first of all. I go to Little Mountain with uh, no preconceptions whatsoever. Well, actually, I had some of the government's preconceptions that it was old and, you know, lousy housing and a bunch of complainers who were, you know, making trouble. So I go go there with very little uh, preconceptions, and then I listen to people. And I start recording right away because I want to make sure that my... My process is recorded as people slowly become accustomed to my presence, and it's a bit like um, well, you know, the roots of anthropology are are observation and participation, and um, I know I have an effect on the process as I observe it, and as I observe it, I make my own observations and I tell the story based on my perspective. I only have one perspective that's mine, and um, I don't I don't make any. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, believer in the myth of objectivity. Um, but in the end, I think I, I, I create a, pretty, a fairly balanced film uh, based on what I've seen, uh, what I've heard, and the reality that takes place in front of my camera, the kind of reality that no one really sees in the news because the news doesn't stick around long enough. The mm-hmm. news only gets people walking out of their doors and saying something. After the cameras are gone, what happens now? Mm-hmm. You know, what really goes on there after the cameras are gone? What are the lives that are being lived? What are the experiences people are having? Like, Little Mountain was a social experiment that I captured on film, an experiment that showed how you, well, what happens when you remove all of the social support around very vulnerable seniors, Mm -hmm. little by little. Mm -hmm. And I captured that perfectly on film. Um, That was an experiment that BC Housing put uh, put together. It was a a pretty draconian, uh, uh, I'd say, experiment on their part. And um, it was interesting to watch. It was really sad to watch, too. Mm -hmm. Because I think it took a lot out of Sammy and Joan in the end to fight two battles against their um, their landlord, BC Housing. Um, and uh, but the good thing is they got to stay there till they died, mm-hmm. and they died two months ago. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I think that it's it's about observing. It's about it's about holding people to account also for what they do and what they say. And it's obvious. I don't I don't have to actually. I don't need the opinion by BC Housing or the government. I simply watch what they've done. Mm-hmm. And you make your own opinions based on what you see, which yeah. is 
the truth because it took place in front of the camera. You make an interesting point about this question of objectivity in terms of, I mean, it extends obviously to journalism, um, but certainly documentary filmmaking um, is, I mean, documenting this saga certainly uh, speaks volumes. But uh, I mean, what if some people might say, well, it, you know, it, this is just the way it's going. The government says it needs to go. So, you know, we need we need density on this site. It's old housing. So what? I mean, where does, um, is, is it just merely in the, the presentation of, of, I mean, how many, how many hundreds of hours? I mean, certainly in that you can maybe challenge that. Is that uh, well, I would self-evident maybe? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was self-evident. The, the, look, the community really wasn't against densification. Uh, the community wanted more social housing. Mm-hmm. The community saw that Vancouver had a housing crisis and said, let's build more social housing at Little Mountain. Let's densify. Um, let's experiment with, with different forms of housing. Let's make Little Mountain an ideal community with a mixture of high-end real estate, but also some, some solid efforts to solve the housing problems in mm-hmm. Vancouver. And instead, we got a government who wanted to just sell and demolish and move on. So, um, yes, there was, no, there was no discussion about density. The fact was that the community wanted to stay in place as a developer, as a developer developed their plan. That was not an unreasonable request. We knew the, 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 the construction was going to be phased over several years, and mm-hmm. perhaps even a couple of decades. And it made no economic sense to tear down very good housing, as it made no social sense to tear down mm-hmm. the housing. It was just simply an incredibly bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Vancouver needs to identify. No one got, you know, no one got in the way of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I have no argument against identification. I do have an argument against privatization, though, because the real value of Little Mountain was in the land, mm-hmm. not in the cash. Yeah. If I own property in Vancouver... I'm not going to sell it to then rent a house forever. Or, or Because, you know, if anyone who owns real estate in the city knows that real estate's the only thing that's going up, what this province did was to sell the real estate to buy housing to put on other property. So other property depreciates. So whatever money they raised is going to, in 50 to 100 years, will disappear completely. Mm-hmm. Whereas the value of the land was transferred to somebody else. Mm-hmm. We have to save those lands. Yeah. You know, if you sell land at Little Mountain, okay, then buy more land somewhere else, but buy it right away. Yeah. Right? Spread that around if you don't want to, if you don't want to, but that wasn't part of the deal. The deal was we're selling property to build buildings. Um, not good economic sense. And then again, I've worked it out. It's simple math. You work at Little Mountains, the number of suites by the number of days, by the number of, of, of rent you got per month. And you can basically calculate the little mountain lost about six million dollars a year empty. Yeah. Multiply that by five to fifteen years, you got a substantial amount of, of revenue that the city of Vancouver lost and the province of British Columbia. I don't care how much money they got. Mm-hmm. They say they got three hundred million, maybe it was all secret. Now they've got seventy eight million. Well, basically that's all lost now. That's seventy eight million dollars they actually got has been, there's a negative balance in the fact that that site has been empty for 5, 7, 10, 15 years. So, okay, we've got to nothing. Yeah. Also We're, interesting that we see the recent homelessness numbers in the city have 
have risen uh, a considerable degree. So, oh yeah, and you look at the yeah. cost. Like uh, the, the the Vision published uh, a number that said how much it cost to whole house one homeless person a day. Yeah. You take that number, you multiply that two hundred and twenty five units times three hundred sixty five days a year times uh, what seven years. That's a big, big, big number. Mm-hmm. So. Literally, this entire deal is a is a sham and a shambles. And even now, it's even further de- it's either further depressed because the government, um, the the uh, developer, recently uh, told the city they don't want to build the amenities, hmm. which is they decided ah it's too expensive to build daycare. <laughs> Part of this, I mean, I, I have to ask you. It, it seems um, like it, it's almost entirely ideological. This uh, the part on the BC government to do this. And the work that you're doing to document the history and the community of, of social housing and public housing in Canada, it almost seems like a, a strategy to completely uh, rid the city of any idea of that there maybe are alternatives out there, that social public housing is something that's viable and that can have strong communities and almost to do away with the very idea of it so people physically can't even see it in their own communities. Another thing, you know... There's a whole new philosophy around social housing is you integrate it into other housing and you can't see it. I don't, I'm neither here nor there on that. I don't know, I'm, not a, I'm not a sociologist and I don't study social housing for a living. Um, there are pros and cons to both, the kind of the mega project and the integration. Uh, the fact is, though, the, little, the, the B.C. government wants to take the, wanted to take the money from Little Mountain and put it into assisted living, mm-hmm. which is not social housing anymore. It's only for people with disabilities, drug addictions, whatever. In other words, they're actually taking this money and taking it and shoving it back at the medical profession, at right. the health budget, right. which they're probably lacking funds for, right? Yeah. So this is not about keeping people at risk. Just this regular housing for people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think they just want to get out of that business. You know, yeah. single mothers can hang out with their abusive uh, husbands longer. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, there's. I think they just don't think there's a place for social housing in British yeah. Columbia anymore. And there are people who will agree with them. I disagree, and I brought people back to talk on film with me. People like uh, famous musicians, like. Um, What's his name? Uh, Red One, who's a rap musician, um, and uh, Brian Adams, the guitarist, uh, Keith Scott, um, uh, people who are in planning and, and social services, like Debbie Lawrence, to talk about what social housing meant to them mm-hmm. at the time they needed it mm-hmm. and how they moved on to have very successful lives. Maybe let's go to that clip with Red One. Do you want to provide any more context to that? Red's an amazing guy. He's okay. fun to listen to. Okay, here we go. up in this area like you know I used to play soccer on that field right there my friend used to live in that apartment straight ahead um I don't know like I was my mom has five kids and you know I was raising like with a single mother and like coming up my mother worked so hard doing everything she could for us that I never even realized that you know I mean we weren't really living like that I never realized like we were low income and whatever because if I asked for a pair of shoes or I asked for whatever she made sure she got it for me, so. Yeah, it's your boy Red One, and right now I'm live and direct in the Little Mountain Projects, made in the 33rd, you know what I'm saying? So say the word. I don't even know how to say it, but it was just like, after coming here, hooking up with people, and just like being down here, and all my homies started hanging out here, and 
we're in the music thing and we're doing music and you know kids start looking up to you and yo he's from the projects and I'm tired of the bullshit first to step is who first get and serve these cats really think they hard but I think that they really nerds and, and then it switched from being embarrassed to moving into the projects to like uh, we we're proud to be from like you know the projects Little Mountain Projects meaning 33rd East Man 33rd and Maine is where them cats just fly like birds greatest spot in the city to grow up to me, for being in social housing, you know, and projects, and you know, you have trees and green grass, and like, you know what I'm saying, nice area. In America, when you, I've been, like, I have friends in America that live in the projects too, and it's like, if you have a tree, you, you're lucky. Stay way ahead of the curve, stay getting paper to splurge. Every day, that's how it is, and every day, how it's preferred. 33rd, yeah, red one. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. He makes an important point, and I think uh, it's worth uh, reflecting on this idea that there, I think, was a mythology that was constructed by the BC government around Little Mountain and it being a, a failure. It was falling down. Uh, I also know the work of uh, Tommy Thompson, who is a, a graduate student who did a lot of work, uh, his whole thesis on Little Mountain and the fact that it was a very successful community in the way that it was built and also um, the way that it was it was working, it was housing for working class people um, and seniors and it had a whole mix of people from a whole different walk of life, you know, and uh, certainly interesting in, in neighborhoods like Grandview Woodland or even the Main Street area. Um, we we tend to see we don't necessarily see that so much we send we see you know a lot of young people dominating a neighborhood and maybe not so many seniors and but i i think it's certainly uh worth reflecting on what kind of what kind of neighborhoods and communities do we want and maybe that was uh something that um can be uh is something obviously that should be should be reflected upon and should be remembered as well Exactly. Oh, Tommy Thompson did a great thesis. I've, I've, I've read about halfway through it. It's very dense. It's uh, amazing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of seniors. Like, many seniors have now spent seven years in exile from Little Mountain, from their community, from the support groups, that was the, the support that a community gives them. Um, and they're dying to get back in. That's actually not a very good term. Many of them have passed away already, waiting to get in. Um, and they're anxious to get in. I think there are the numbers, though, who have passed away, um, Sammy and Joan are two, and six others we know of for sure have passed away. I spoke to a physician that was, um, was uh, helping one of those seniors um, survive, and he is convinced that you know, being kicked out of Little Mountain had, um, had an effect on her lifespan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, um, it's a... You know, it's a tragedy that the Lamont was destroyed, yes. Um, and I will definitely focus on that on the film. But the most important thing is, um, is the lesson that uh, people can fight back and they can win. And that, was the, that could have been an option for everybody who lived there if they understood the way it works. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to tell. The story. I've been in like boot camp for six years now on civic engagement, participation, and I want to hand that, you know, six years of experience back to my communities across Canada so they can know what strategies work and make those strategies work for them. Rich Coleman told me, I have it on camera, that he thought Little Mountain was the way things are done. Still, even 
as a new building was being built. And that new building was part of a paradigm he didn't agree with, but had to, had to, had to agree with. I mean, he, this new building was some, it was a way, it proved there was a way things could be done. Mm-hmm. He just objected to the way it the, the, was done. He's referring to the new replaced, the newly built units on the site. Exactly. Okay. And I, I asked him, I said, what is it? You know, I asked him, what do you see when you look around at this wasteland? And he said, well, I see the success. Hmm. I see, I see, I can't, I'm, I'm, I can't remember exactly what he said. I'm got on tape. Like I see money, I guess. Mm-hmm. And success. And it's the way things are done. And then he turned around and walked away in a huff. Hmm. Um, I don't think when you really look at it, I don't think anyone would look at this and go, this is the way things should be done in the future. Mm-hmm. And if him and his liberals uh, think that's the way it's going to be done, well, the rest of the communities of British Columbia who used to have social housing are going to need my film to help them negotiate the rough waters ahead mm-hmm. when they come after every other social housing project in the, in the province and say, we're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Let's go to a clip now. Uh, this is uh, Ingrid uh, talking about that very point that you make is intimidation. And um, if this is going to be replayed across the province, um, let's uh, get a little uh, sample of, of what uh, the residents had to go through. This is The City on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and we're syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, CJSF.ca, and available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. A group of the residents from the Little Mountain Housing Complex were in Victoria today to try to find out, presumably, what's happening. These are the people who still remain in some of those units there. There's more than 200 units, still 19 families uh, the government's dealing with. Can the Minister of Housing inform this House why 205 units of affordable housing sits empty today when we have an unprecedented homelessness crisis in our province? We made the decision that we could use this property by densifying it and actually building 242, 24 new homes for the people that live there so they can come back to a new home. We put in place a plan so we could relocate them so they have actually subsidized housing somewhere else. We paid for their moving costs out. We'll pay for their moving costs in. We're paying actually cross-border transportation for their children to stay in the same school while this is going on. You regret moving? Already. Well, they lied to us. They pushed us out. We should move, move, move. They want to tear it down. What they told us was a very nice place. It's all full of bugs, it's full of drug addicts, they always use drugs, and noisy so much you cannot sleep at night. There you go, I mean, here you go, the Minister of Housing, Rich Coleman, talking about um, uh, moving costs. Well, that's the least you'd expect anyone who kicks you out of your house. Um, Transportation costs, oh, how about give your 12-year-old a bus pass? And they can find a way back to school, uh, what, an hour a day on a bus? Uh, oh, cross-border transportation with that. Oh, yeah, a bus pass. Um, families on very low income often don't have cars. The whole notion that a bus pass could function to bring these people back to their community for anything they used to do in that community, whether it's education, shopping, whatever, was absurd. But wait, it's all, it's all, it's all PR, mm-hmm. right? It's all written by a PR campaign, and he just... 
All he had to do was restate that PR over and over and over again. And then he had the press came in and kept on restating his PR for him. No one actually went down, none of the press in Vancouver actually went down there and dug a little bit. You know, people at the, the calm group who were fighting for the residents' rights throughout this process would put on these amazing events and just hope a reporter would come down. Mm-hmm. Because if a reporter doesn't come down, you're invisible. You're just having a community party. And they'd come down, they'd look at the event, they'd give about 15 seconds of explanation to what the event was about, and then they'd go back and hit the PR button and allow Coleman to say his PR thing again. All it did, actually, was strengthen his message over and over again. Mm. It was incredibly disheartening for the community groups who were working on it to see that see the press actually wear in his message. Mm. And that's how it works. I mean, that's how it functions, really. I want to go to another clip, and this is, uh, this is BC Housing Demolishing uh, the Little Mountain um, Buildings Without a Permit 2009. Do you want to talk, uh, provide a bit more context to this clip? The context of this was that after BC Housing got rid of 90% of the tenants, there were still about 30 or 40 of them um, scattered around 40 buildings, which meant there could be just one tenant occupied in one building and another one. And these people were holding out. Well, BC Housing had a brilliant plan. How to get rid of these last people? Why don't you board every every window in each building in which they're in, but only keep their building windows open? Now, who wants to live in a slum? Who wants to live in a demolition zone? Who wants Mm -hmm. to live in a ghost town? Now it looks like a ghost town. We'll get rid of them. And voila, uh, they got rid of, oh, uh, you know, um, again, they got rid of 75% of the tenants with that tactic. Okay, let's hear uh, some of those sounds. That sound effect of the uh, that sound of the chainsaws running was actually um, I think after Sam had Sam did his action where he tore the boards off his building, PC Housing got a bit well became a bit embarrassed about that and they stopped. They did, they were at seventy five percent of the buildings and they stopped boarding buildings up. Mm-hmm. There weren't many people left, so they chose another tactic, which was go right into the building, uh, into the suite adjoining some other occupied buildings and then start chainsawing out all the sinks and uh all the all the and and just allow a salvage crew to come in there and just start ripping everything out that ought to work Hmm. and um ingrid steenhusen makes a comment at one point about how they were ripping these sinks out and and destroying these these uh these places right next to where she was living and it was just a horrible experience david vaseboard local filmmaker um 
Can you let people know where they can find out more? I want to take a quick music break, and we're going to come back and, and wrap up this discussion. Um, but if people are curious about what we're talking about, where can they find out more? They can go to littlemountainfilm.com, and uh, littlemountainfilm.com will take them to uh, the Indiegogo site. They can also go to Little Mountain Film on Facebook, and it's a great site with tons of photos. And people who used to live at Little Mountain have, have sent in photographs of growing up there. So uh, the Little Mountain Film Facebook site is a lot of fun to go to. Okay, we're going to be back in just a second. Stay with us. This is The City. I have uh, local filmmaker David Vaisbord live in studio. This is The City, an hour dedicated to critical urban discussions. Just hope when those walls come 
And that was the track from Bleeding Hearts. Uh, walls come tumbling down and uh, might be uh, a nice segue into our conversation about the Little Mountain social housing project um, off Main Street between 33rd and 37th Avenues. And uh, about those walls com- that are that came tumbling down, um, let's talk about the truth about Little Mountain and uh, the actual building itself and the condition it was in. And you have some footage, and uh, we're going to play a short clip about that, but do you want to provide a bit more context on that? Yeah, back in 2009, after all the buildings had been boarded, um, most of the buildings anyway, uh, Karen Nicoletti, who's one of the last people still living at Little Mountain, took me on a tour of a completely empty building. It was entirely boarded up, and she wanted to show me. She had a key to the building because she was using the laundry in that building, and she took me through, right? All the doors are opened. All the suites were totally uh, free, and you could just wander from suite to suite to suite, and it was it was an amazing shape. Mm. Um, uh, clean, uh, hardwood floors, um, you know, the same as any decent rental you'd get on any street in the city of Vancouver. Or maybe better. <laughs> or maybe better. <laughs> okay, let's play that clip. Well, I just rinse it out to it's, it's beautiful the way they make this. It's just insane to, to demolish. 55 years is no age for a house. See, the, the meter is running. See, the top meter is running really fast because all over the building, all the lights are on. They, they have a timer. See, there's the timer up there. They, they only need the lights on for a few hours. and But who is going to set that timer? Once they had it upside down, the timer, and said, uh, from nine, uh, from seven at night to seven in the morning. They had it on from seven in the morning to seven at night. Actually, I wrote a letter to the auditor general, and he said he's too busy right now, but he will keep it in mind and he will look into it. I come back. The mailbox is still pretty full with a lot of junk mail. The fuse boxes, everything is on, on, on. Of course, you leave it on. Now, BC Housing keeps the lights on, though, all the time. They left, yeah, well, they I mean, they've, been, they've left it on since the beginning. If Sam was telling me months so, ago that the lights so were many, on. Oh, yeah, on the oh, outside. So inside. Inside, too. All the buildings, all the lights are on. Oh, lots, yes. They left some lights on. I guess they took off the doors. They're, they're not very old, those doors. I think, I don't know if they, 10 years ago, they just put them in. They're so lovely, that linen closet. i show you the bathroom here. See, we have those big cupboards here, right? Yeah, they're, they're lovely. We even got wiring in the bathroom now for the hairdryer. I think it was six and a half years ago we just got that new. And then I have this here too, like we got a medicine cabinet right built in behind the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This mirror is cleaner than mine in my house. Yeah, busy housing calls these his suites derelict. Uh, I call them luxury, and he calls the place is underutilized. Oh, I show you. Now we go to the kitchen. <laughs> she got all this stuff and, and um, stuff on the floor. Let me see what you left here. All the candies she left behind. I guess I can take that home. Here I found the, the flyer on the floor. 
from our com community advocates for little mountain what's the hurry let's do it right calmly for for over two years we've been fighting now more or less to you know stop this we were close here we should have protested right away and they just uh, swamped it on us like out of the blue Okay, just thinking, I don't even have electrical in my bathroom in my market apartment that I pay too much for. So, and I know people can't see this, but uh, I'm I'm quite actually surprised how hardwood floors, um, they're, they were nice units. Yeah, very nice units. Yeah. And they had new wiring, uh, new roofs. Um, uh, they were really great shape. Um, you know, some of the, the, the row houses weren't in such great shape. They were smaller. And they were more compact for families. They were in two stories. Uh, I, wa- I walked through a few of them, and some of them had a few mold issues. But the bigger buildings, they were amazingly good shape all the way through. I mean, they, you know, BC Housing could have put a fan above the, above the uh, kitchen stoves. I mean, those things they don't put in. Mm-hmm. Now they do, obviously. Um, otherwise, though, the big buildings were great. I wandered through all of those buildings with my camera and uh, right through to the end where they were just uh, basically shells. Mm. Um, and it was very tragic to watch them tear them down. And the beams, you know, the the, the huge, like, 12-inch thick uh, wood beams in the basements, completely dry basements, all that stuff, in great shape. During the Olympics, I went down to um, down to Gastown to see the PR campaign the BC government put up about the Olympics, what they were doing about housing, and they, the photos they showed about the conditions in the downtown east side, that was disgusting. I mean, obviously... That kind of housing needed to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Little Mountain was not that kind yeah. of housing. Um, and, uh, and now, you know, we're in this terrible situation where even the developer doesn't even want to go forward because uh, the amount of money they paid the government was too much. Based on the market conditions at the time? Well, based on speculation. Yeah. Actually, yeah. the market conditions did not illustrate... Uh, um, the mar- Every local Vancouver successful Vancouver developer put in a bid on Little Mountain. None of those bids were taken because the BC government took the highest bid, which came in from Malaysia from a guy who didn't know anything about the Vancouver market. But Mm -hmm. the BC government wanted to go with a company who knew nothing about Vancouver and figured, I guess, they could fleece the guy. I don't know. Don't ask me why they did that. In the end of the day, though, they're big boys, right? They're big boys. They're playing in a big uh, field. They're playing with Vancouver. They can ante up and pay their dues if they want to build in Vancouver. And that's my perspective on what's going on there right now. As we wrap up, uh, David, I want to ask you, what's the, what's the takeaway? Obviously, you have hundreds of hours of footage and you, want, um, you, you need the support. Um, to make this film a reality, uh, what's the takeaway that you anticipate? Um, I mean, building off of our discussion, uh, you know the takeaway, but you also know that uh, filmmaking is a creative process and bringing it together may also reveal new stories and, and highlight new things that you wanna, um, uh, want, want viewers to see. But um, what, what's the central takeaway here? The central takeaway, well, there's, there's, there's a couple of takeaways. Films are not, uh, well, they're, they're not just one message. Yeah. The, the central takeaway, though, is that you can win your battles against the government um, when it comes down to the demolition and, and the redevelopment of social housing. And um, 
you have the power to do it and you have the resources. And I'll show you how to do it. I want to give it to you. Uh, the other takeaway is that, um, uh, what else? Is, is that, well, I want people to walk away having experienced something that's moving, uh, profound, um, that stimulates them intellectually and, and emotionally and, you know, is actually a beautiful and entertaining documentary. Um, and I think the best way to communicate is through, is through art, right? And I, I've made a number of documentaries in my lifetime. Um, they usually take a long time to make, and everyone has been very successful, and I anticipate this one will be just as successful because I've already taken pieces of it and shown it to people, and the reaction's always been very good. Also, I've been showing this film as I've made this film. It's kind of a new kind of paradigm where you, you release the film in stages as an activist um, uh, process, mm-hmm. and then you give it away... Right. Then you make the film in the end to show what you did with it. Right. So it's already been a success. Right. The fact is now we can look back and, and assess where we've come. And we've come so far. So let's not forget about this. Let's get together, participate with me in my, in my, in my campaign, and we can, we can uh, preserve the lessons learned uh, at Little Mountain. And I think this is also about supporting artists in the city. And I think uh, this is a particularly difficult city. You hear this, everyone hears this, that uh, we need to support the arts. And so I want, I want, to, su- I want to really suggest that people check out that website, um, support this project. You also are doing some really cool, uh, you have some cool incentives. Um, can you talk about uh, if people make a donation, what they can expect? Yeah, well, for one of the donations, it's all about donations and participation. You can buy one ounce of ground social housing. That's um, twenty five dollars, and it gives you a credit in the film, under the thank yous at the end of the film. But uh, it's actual little mountain ground up into bits. And when I watched forty buildings getting demolished, I realized what I was watching was the disappearance of an entire uh, community, and I just had to to find some way of preserving it. So I managed to gather a few pounds of the stuff, and uh, I'm offering it for sale in beautifully little gift packages that you can own for only $25, which is largely a donation. And there's many other ways of, of going. You can buy a ticket to the premiere. You can buy, you know, you can buy, you can buy a digital download, a DVD. I get free giveaways, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that website one more time for people to check that out. LittleMountainFilm.com David, thank you so much for coming into the studio and uh, talking about this project and uh, the Little Mountain story that I, I really hope to see um, in a, a short time uh, in a full feature-length documentary. Thanks for being with me. Thank you so much. This is The City, an hour dedicated to critical urban discussions here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM. We're here live Tuesdays 5 to 6 p.m. on CITR and syndicated on CJSF Fridays 10 to 11 a.m. Also available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. And if you missed any part of the program, you can check it out at that website. A full archive of podcasts is available there as well. And if you want to find out more about uh, this uh, film project and uh, David Vaysboard, you can certainly check it out as well at thecityfm.org. I'm Andy Longhurst. We're going to be, be back next week with more critical urban discussions. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great week.
Nam, in the Nam.